In your bio, coach, your bio is the link to your actual Twitter, not to the PFP Twitter. <laughs> <I noticed> that. <laughs> that fires me up. <laughs> what is it? Well, I'll try. Like, I'll try to fix like, that. They just get into an inception, like sitting there hit, uh, hitting the link, and it just keeps bringing them back to his page. He's like, "You're never three leaving." Three times just now. <laughs> Wait, that's <laughs> so weird, dude. <laughs> I'll so get weird. that fixed, I guess. What What's your question, Austin? So what quarterback, as a rookie, threw for the most passing yards in their rookie season? Justin Herbert. Wait, what? He, he beat Andrew Luck's record? Yeah. Am I correct? I'm pretty sure I'm correct. Like, I have, like, 95% confidence in that. Bro, wait. I'm sorry. I just smacked that cat's food all over the place. What happened? <laughs> what rookie had the most passing yards in NFL history? Rookie? As a rookie. I mean, Herbert had a fucking extra game, so probably him. I think it was Andy before him, though. Uh, and then Cam Newton before him. No, it's Andrew Luck. He it didn't pass Luck. Luck. Yeah, Sucked it's still Luck. Wow. With are an you extra sure? game. Are you sure? Yep. Andrew Luck has the most passing yards by a rookie quarterback with 4,374. That's uh, right. Justin Herbert came in second with 4,336. And an extra game. Because that last game uh, versus, I believe it was Oakland, or they were Oakland at the time. Because that's the game he like kept converting fourth downs and stuff and just kept trying. And no, Staley, he, never, yeah, yeah. he came he so He never close. wanted to tie so bad. Yeah. No, he, no, that was he, the next year. That was last year. But I oh, will okay. say... Because he didn't start the first game, or I believe he was hurt for a game, it shows he had 15 games played versus Lux 16. If he would have had one more game, he would have cleared that record by a lot. You know, he didn't start the first two. It was because of Tyrod Taylor getting uh, that uh, lung puncture, right? He was missed that the one? first game, and it was pre-game of this game number two when they punctured his lung, and then they were like, hey, you're starting, young guy. And, and then he just threw for 300 took, yards every week. Took the, the reins, rest of the yeah. Season. yeah. You know, if we're, if we're going to be honest here, if Tua would have been drafted with an all-pro wide receiver, such as Keenan Allen, right away, and if he would have had a very solid number two that people would argue is better than the number one, as in Mike Williams, and then had solid running backs, as Justin Herbert has had, I think... Like Austin Eckler, like the best running back in football right now? I'm almost 99 percent Point nine percent certain he would have broken every record that there is, and we're seeing right now that now that you've kind of leveled the playing field, the playing field was never actually fucking level, and uh, Tua is him. So I don't know what the fuck to say about any of that nonsense. Fuck all that rookie shit. Welcome to the Pro Football Pod. We're outside. Chief Sud's back. I've been out on hiatus. I've been on bye week. I was on IR for a couple weeks. They got me off a couple weeks early. I passed concussion protocol. Whatever you want to call it. We're back outside. Make sure you guys are following the Twitter at ProFootball underscore pod. It follows me. It may also follow you. We're live with Coach. We're live with Justin. We're live with Austin. Boys, how are we feeling? Feeling good and feeling great. How are y'all doing in season long? I know the uh, Mud Dogs just kind of uh, fell to a tipping point. It looks hey, like you, uh, got past, you not only did you get passed by the Mean Machine, you got passed by Rudy as well. Woo. 
Oh, we're Gucci. We're Gucci. Yeah, I'm I'm four and hey, five. With, but hey, we're making the playoffs because I ain't those, playoffs, those two baby. those two bottom two teams. There ain't no way they're getting in. So like hey, we're they good. were fighting it out this past just week. Get, just get to the dance. Hey, Norman's, I'm just hoping to be healthy Norman, by Norman's the end. Norman's got of some season. bodies. He does. He does. He sure does. So I don't want to put anybody down or anything, but um, we are halfway through the football season. So today I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be honest this with you guys. Sucked. The regular season. I yeah, went true. through all three of my Yahoo teams, my NFL.com team, my girlfriend's work league that I run, and I went through the next four weeks and I lined up all my lineups. I made sure that like I had people on by, like kind of figured out where I might have to cut someone and made sure I don't cut a defense early and give it to someone that I might play and like I went really deep today and I started getting so fucking nervous. Like not not nervous like oh my god I'm scared I don't have the bodies, but like that nervous before I have like a wedding or something like that like yo I'm about to kill this shit but like let me make sure I don't overthink it and fuck it up. I I smoked a whole blunt doing it earlier. Like I, that sounds like me that sounds like me boys. placing bets. I'll go to I'll line my bets up and I'm like bro let's go let's go and right as I'm about to hit, place the bet like hold on you know what if this ah. happens or oh, oh shit you know what if this happens oh, oh okay you hold can't on go but, down that well, let hole. me let me check the weather now oh man okay nope. the unders look oh wait but this defense bro so much overthinking i just need to place the bet and then just place it like not have to don't even give me the time to do it i just go with your guts on all those leagues i'm like on most of those leagues i have drake london and Cortland sutton both of those boys are on the fucking bench until further notice. And I work with everything else I got. And since, you know, we draft proper over here, I got running backs for days. I'm not having to pick up a running back for a bye week the rest of the season. I'm not having to pick up receivers or tight ends. I don't have to pick anything up. It's just about putting the right guys in the right place. And there's certain guys that I just can't trust anymore. And I know I put it on the very top of the notes. I cannot trust anyone on the Green Bay Packers anymore, and I can barely trust anyone on the Bucks anymore. And I'm going to put it solely on those Medicare-receiving quarterbacks that they got because they ain't it no more. Those guys, it's, it's the, over. the pocket passing, whatever it is, it's dead. It's over. Every quarterback that's balling right now has the ability to run. What makes Patrick Mahomes the best is the fact that he can run, but he's so good at passing that he doesn't need to. But every other quarterback that's finding success is running, and the pocket passer is dead. Do any of you guys disagree? I would say, too, a lot of it, I do agree. Like, the pocket passer, like, elite, just stand in the pocket, stand tall, and get it done. You, uh, We're seeing you have to have certain ingredients to make that work. Aaron Rodgers has a solid O-line, but nobody to throw the ball to. Yep. Tom Brady has weapons out there. Nobody on the O-line is able to block. He is getting pressured and has no mobility to move. And his whole career, it's been rush Brady up the middle because he can't get to the outside. And teams are just able to do it because they're playing with a paper towel offensive line. And so without these quarterbacks are able to at least get out of the pocket somewhat like Joe Burrow and Mac Jones don't look like the most athletic guys, but they can get you five yards if it's there. Yeah. Burrow will tuck it and sneak for a quick five. If he needs it, Mac Jones will even slide for a quick five if he needs it. But you're seeing Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady just getting so stiff 
Like, I saw Aaron run a little bit more, but his receivers don't help him at all, like you said. Like, he's hitting these guys on the hands, and it's not mattering. I feel like, obviously, like, you could look at Vic and, and like, players like that and say, like, they started the running quarterback. But I think that the first one that had so much success that wasn't just a prototypical runner but was a running quarterback was Andrew Luck. I remember playing that dude, and every single third down, you play against him. He's running for eight yards if, he, if nobody's open. He was just so smart with, like, using his legs properly. And, like, now every team is trying to get that. Right now, the Jets are continuing to win games despite the fact that they don't even have anything fucking close to that. Like, Zach Wilson is not that. He's athletic, but whenever you make bad decisions, you can't play quarterback. You should play tight end or wide receiver because you can make a fuck up on one route. It's never going to matter. But one mistake in a game, one time of not doing the right thing, like that's all it takes. Funny you say, Vic. I I was hanging with Hutch watching the Lamar Jackson episode last night. And not only do I believe every quarterback in the league is Vic influenced. You're seeing Justin Fields and all these other guys, Josh Allen included. They they all grew up Vic fans the same way we did. You're seeing offensive coordinators and coaches building offenses around Vic style players and they're making it work. They said, "Hey, Vic was making it work with one he might have had a deep threat, but he has a guy that's going to consistently catch the ball for him and either Roddy White and Algie Crumpler. And then later in his career when he's on the Eagles, he had Deshaun Jackson you saw what he could do when you don't disrespect the fact that he has a deep ball. And like, I'm watching it replicated with Lamar replicated with Justin Fields and all these other people just not getting on board or screwed. But talking about Justin Fields, tell me that guy is not the fucking plant-based terminator right now. They stopped asking him to be a pocket passer and run this weird Matt Eberflus offense. All of a sudden they're just saying play football, young man. Let's just go backyard style if we got to. And they got three wins. Almost took us out this week, bro. Like, It's the design quarterback runs. Like every team that is designing quarterback runs within their system that has a quarterback that can make that, like everyone that you just named, they're having success with it almost every time. I mean, Lamar got eight yards a carry, it seemed like, the other night, even though the team didn't do that great. He had 80 yards rushing. Like, Fields legitimately, that 60-yard scamper was just, it was just that. It wasn't even a designed run. He just had to get out of there and just ran away from the entire defense. It's when the pass is taken away. And, like, you're seeing Tom and Aaron get the pass taken away, and what do they do? Throw an interception to Aiden Hutchinson. What does Lamar and Justin Fields do when the pass is taken away? Tuck it and run for 30 fucking yards or a house call. Like, I don't know, man. What do you what do you think, Justin? To me, I think it's more of a product like, yeah, there any any quarterbacks we've seen that have the running ability, it's when the play breaks down, they're able to get out because you've got guys spread out wide. If it's man coverage, you got dudes down the field, you only have to beat a couple and they're backpedaling, they're on their heels. So it's really easy to get outside of them if you have the athleticism. For me, it's more seeing what the Ravens did with Lamar and what it seems like the Bears are starting to do with Fields here lately, and it's what you need to do Finally. is you mold it, you mold your system to your quarterback. You don't just go out there and say, oh, this is the system I run, this is what you need to do. You find your, your quarterback strengths and you play to that. 
They're starting to incorporate more designed runs in Justin Fields' games these last couple weeks, and they're seeing what it's doing to keep them in these games. The Dolphins had a spy on Fields almost the entire game, and it did not matter because of the athleticism he has to be able to bob and weave out of that pocket and find the open space and get out there. Not to mention these guys that have enough accuracy and arm strength to, if you commit to stopping them on the run, they're just going to pop it over your head for a 15 to 20 yard gain in the middle of the field there. So if you keep putting your system to your quarterback, I think you'll keep seeing the success that Lamar and what fields has shown this last couple of weeks. But then you have other times to where the quarterback has to fit your system, like you're seeing in Seattle. Seattle right now, their record, but what they're doing in that their division alone, I think they might even probably end up winning that division. San Francisco is going to give them a run, but they're my favorite to come out of that division. The way the running game's been working, the way that defense has been playing, their rookie draft class is playing out of their minds right now. Them and the Jets probably had the two best draft classes as far as how their rookies are performing. And uh, Seattle's rookies are stepping up as far as uh, Abe Lucas holding it down at tackle. Tariq Woolen is pushing Sauce Gardner for de- defensive rookie of the year. He's I think disgusting. He's, quietly. He, he, Richard Sherman built over again, 6'3", 220 can longs like a freaking giraffe's neck like it's it's awesome but gino is just holding down the fort for him he's not making mistakes he's making the plays when he has to i think i said it last week or the week before reminds me a lot of the early years with russ of don't make a mistake lean on the running game let our defense get stops and let's get out of here and that's what that's how they've been playing this year and it's it's a recipe for success for them in the last fourth quarter, whenever they came up to those like, oh man, you know, we, we didn't get it on third down, putting it back into Geno's hands to get the fourth and like to continue the drives and like to push things along, like it that type of success that they're having, I mean, it's it's crazy that we're talking about Seattle right now, whenever all offseason everyone talked about how you shouldn't get DK or uh, lock it or anybody that just don't touch their team, and that's the best worst thing. Team you can in the do. league, that's it what was everyone be expected. The worst team in the league with Gino and or Drew Lock. It was no questions asked. Going to be the worst. Washington Commanders, another team that is expected to be the worst team in the league, and this last week they almost won against the Vikings, barely being able to pull off a win with Kirk Cousins. Do you guys see that as more of like the metamorphosis of Washington becoming a real team? Or is that showing that Vikings kind of being like the halfway good team that they looked like and maybe they're not as great as we thought? A little I think bit of right both. Now, I, I, I agree with Austin. I think right now the Vikings lead the league in victories by one score games. Now on their six game win streak that they're on, three of them have been on the road. One of them was versus the two plays of Skylar Thompson and rest of the game, Teddy Bridgewater Dolphins. They were within three points up until the end of that game. Now, getting a win in Miami in October alone, hats off to you, because I know those boys were roasting on the sidelines. It was 125 degrees. 125 at one point. Yeah, exactly. So, to me, you'd love to see the grittiness out of a team to pull out those one-score victories because it lets you know in a close game they can get things done. 
But also for me, it's you got to kind of take it with a grain of salt because eventually those one-score victories are going to go to the other way. And it's how many of those one-score victories came down to the other team making a mistake? You know, did you win those one-score victories? Did you come back and win, score the touchdown in the end? Did you make a play on defense or... Was it a mistake by the other team? A flag that pushed them out of field goal range? Just certain things like that is what you have to pay attention to. So the Vikings for everyone, falling. So for everyone out there not looking, the not looking at the, the schedule right now, the Detroit was 28-24. New Orleans Saints was 28-25. Chicago was 29-22. Uh, they beat Miami by more than one score. Uh, Arizona was more than one score and they lost to Washington beat Washington by one score. So I think that's the big thing that they're getting flack for is that the Lions, the saints, the bears and the commanders are not good teams. They're not supposed to be keeping it close, but in reality, it's the same thing with the dolphins. People can say the same thing about the dolphins. You win the games that you're dealt the game. They won it like, yeah. And they weren't supposed to win against the commanders. If we remember what was happening in that game, they looked like yeah. they were about to lose by like more than a touchdown. And then all of a sudden the better team came back and they did their Kirk, thing. So Kirk Thuggins. <laughs> Actually though. That boy like, shredded. Kirk Kirk O'Chains as Pat McAfee likes to say. It's all it's all jokes, but like, bro, they really win every game. And like the same way people try to say, Oh, the Eagles don't play nobody. Okay. Plenty of teams play nobody and are four and five. So the fact that you go out every week, you don't get caught slipping by a trap game, you execute every single game, like, you can call it a sham, but it's fucking hard, dude. Like, I'd almost say it's harder to come back from the well, Super I mean, Bowl and How many not times have we seen, you know, these teams to where, okay, yeah, let's knock on the quarterback. Then you have a Mike White game. Or you have Joe Flacco in a comeback game. Like, just things like, not picking on the Jets, but they just came to mind. Just things like that to where it's any given Sunday, bro. Like, you still have, no matter a key player's out, you still have 30 other guys within that game that are still giving it their all and don't give a fuck about who's out. They're out there to make their money and put a W on that uh, scoreboard there. So, again, like I said, you can take it with a grain of salt. I do. But you, you win the games you're dealt, and that's really all that at the end, that's all they look for. If you're crown champion or you make the playoffs, you win a playoff game, they don't go back and start nitpicking that shit. They just look at the overall win-loss record. What do y'all think about the uh, the Bengals this year? I feel like we can't wrap our heads around them. I don't know if they're a pass-heavy team, a run-heavy team, whether they suck, whether they're good. I just don't know. In the offseason, I had the vibe that they weren't coming into it as hungry as they were last year. And I was very, very off Burrow, very, very off Chase, Higgins, Boyd, all of them. My draft guide told everybody, avoid all of them. The only one I would get down on is Mixon. And even him, you know what you're going to get. Weekly, you're going to stress out, except for the four or five games where he just does his shit. But like... Outside of that, you could tell Burrow cared more about getting his veneers and like doing his podcast and having his swag up than he cared about getting to another AFC championship and winning a Super Bowl. And you could tell Chase was a little bit more complacent than he was a year before. So I think we just have a team that's very talented and very fucking lazy. And I, it was almost like telegraphed. I think it's 
also a product of you have a very young team that's led and their stars on that team are very young players that come in and have that quick, immediate success. They're more just happy to be there. They're fine. Bro, I made it to a Super Bowl in my second season, my third season, my first season. And you, you ride that high for a couple of years. You, like you said, you don't come in as hungry unless you honestly have got. Oh yeah. We're good. Bro, we made it last year. Did you see what it, happened? Like exactly. Unless you have a strong minded head coach that's able to keep that focus and be like, nah, bro, look, we didn't get the job done. Yes. We made it to the Super Bowl, but that's not enough. When you have a team like the bills who you can just see for the last three seasons are just starving for it because they're right there. And like I said, I got the same vibe and I get get it with them this year of I think what we're seeing is what the Bengals team was last year, minus that fire of a ride that they went on at the end of the year last year, where they just everything was clicking for them. They made stops. I mean, the Titans game that they won in the wild card, bro, Tannehill gifted them that game with three interceptions and they still had to kick a game winning field goal. Like it's things like that. Like I said, you win the games that you're dealt. So you can't go back and talk about it. But it's still, bro, like I think we're seeing the Bengals team that was the same team last year. You're just taking away the ride. You're taking away all the hype and the hubbub, and now you're seeing the difference between Burrow and my ma, my motherfucking Mantua. We've been talking about these teams for the last couple of weeks now, uh, like between Seattle and and the Bengals. And Atlanta, they won 35-17 through the air and they looked like oh my god if you just let joe burrow throw 40 times a game like he'll win no matter what and then against cleveland they tried that and couldn't and they couldn't run against cleveland and they lost 13 to 32 and then all of a sudden they just fucking 42 points basically all on the ground five touchdowns from mixon he only had three touchdowns going into the game three on the season and now he's got fucking eight so uh, i don't know the the Bengals are head scratching three Three plus four five. equals. He didn't get five. Seven. He got no, five. Seven. There. He got five touchdowns. He got four receiving. rushing, one receiving. Okay, so he's got but, eight total. Oh, he had three I, okay, total so he touchdowns. did get five. Yeah, yeah, he had five he's total touchdowns. Yeah. I thought he got four. Okay. Our math is good. Yeah. Hey, look at us. There's too many touchdowns hey. to fucking count. We're not dumb either, in here. Either way, we're not going to call it a fluke. We're going to say like you know he's Joe Mixon. He's a baller. He can do what he can do. It's just maybe their offensive play calling is weird. Maybe something's just not clicking all the way over there, or it's just an effort thing. Now, I will say somewhere where the effort is there, I just think maybe the talent isn't there or they're missing their old play caller is the Patriots. Mac Jones has never been anything impressive to me. To me, that's uh, the third string guy behind Tua and Jalen, and that's all he'll ever be. But as a Bailey Zappy guy, I don't think the play calling or the offense himself does any help. I think it's good that they finally moved on and tried to make Ramondre the feature back and they're making Jacoby the feature receiver. But outside of that, I don't really see that Patriots offense helping any quarterback over there. I mean, they're not moving the ball. Like that's the big issue. It's not even about putting up points or like, they're just not getting down the field. Yeah. They got a bunch of field goals this week. I went back and watch rewatch that game from last week. And granted, you know, they came out with a victory. But, bro, their running game play calling, excellent. Their offensive line's built for it. Their running backs are built for it, excellent. That passing game offense, I 
I don't know. Is there how much any of separation? Like, is there? It doesn't even none. exist. I saw. Uh, and Dan Orlovsky pointed the play out earlier today. I saw it on Twitter, and I remember watching the play. And there was one play where Max stepped back, and as soon as he hit his back foot, ready to throw it, he had one out of four possible receivers looking back at him, ready for the ball. The main target of his had no separation, was not looking back at all. Three guys were within two yards of each other. So no matter who he threw it to, one defender could have broke up the pass. And yeah. it's just, it's shit like that to where that offensive play calling is doing him no favors. I don't think last year was a fluke with him just because he had an excellent play caller with Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels has been a highly touted offensive play caller for the last 10 years that we've been paying attention. And we're seeing what it's like for him to not have those guys scheme people open. We have seen year in and year out these offensive systems that just make players thrive because of the scheme. I am so glad that the Patriots aren't doing well. And the fact that we're trying to analyze why, I mean, it just makes me happy because it, I hope it continues further. As a Dolphins fan, I just, I hope that this success that we've had our entire lives is is now over. I think it's Josh McDaniels being gone. I think you nailed it right on the head. I think that he's not a head coach. He's one of the best offensive coordinators in the league, but he can't seem to get people to follow him because nobody in fucking uh, over there wants to follow him at all. 2019. And it was Saquon Barkley. He also got hurt. And then in 2018, we had Todd Gurley. And in 2017, we had David Johnson. So for the past six years, the first overall pick normally gets hurt. David like, Johnson, what a throwback. Holy right? shit. First My week God. of the season, tears his ACL for Arizona. Le'Veon Bell was the number two that year as well, and that was the, his last year with Pittsburgh. Uh, he was like a top ten running back. But it's legitimately a curse. I mean, Christian McCaffrey this year I think is only healthy because he was the second or third highest rated player on the pre-draft rankings for everybody. But Jonathan Taylor, had he had no choice but to be shit, at least but he's not hurt. He's gotten hurt and he's been out a couple games. But for me, it's like even the games he's in, he's not giving you like even top three, four round production. Well, like he's giving you to, flex player production. Back to my point on episode three, it's that offensive production. The offense isn't producing. They still have. How the do you same expect him to do line? anything? Yeah, but the offense, the quarterback, like they can't do anything. You can't just expect him to do everything. Running game. We were just talking about the. He has to spread the field, spread the field for JT. The Panthers expect the man to run the rock. Andre Stevenson's out here going for eighty yards a game. Well, with with Bailey Zappi throwing fucking the ball down the field. What are you talking about? No, Mac Jones has been starting actually. Yeah, for the past two games. It's a good point with Ramondre because like they they're putting eight in the box. They know what the Patriots are going to do, but the Patriots have two really solid running backs. So they just tire out the defense and then they win in the third and fourth quarter. If you watch, you watch the beginning of that game. Did they get shit in the run in the first two quarters? They didn't get any touchdowns until they had like defensive turnovers and special team turnovers no, and stuff the, like that. I mean, it is, I will say it is a product of the offense as far as making too many mistakes early. 
So the game script just completely changes to where they're not able to run the ball because they're down by way too much. Yeah. So the the if you run the ball, you're just grinding that clock. Like there ain't shit you can do with it. At this point, I think they've been hiding a high ankle sprain from JT for the last three weeks, four weeks. And I think Ursay is back on his cocaine and he's gonna tank. And he's gonna disguise. Oh, they're the tanking tank. for sure. He's I gonna mean, that's that's a hundred percent by hiring an NFL analyst that works on ESPN that's a low-key consultant that his last job was high school football coaching. And you know what his record was in that last season? What was his record? Of high school football Three and seven. Okay, so he didn't win. As a high school head football coach. A well, now season now, as a high school now, football now, coach. Now he's... Wait, 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 wait. had a losing record in college, and he got paid a whole <laughs> bunch of money. Now, I'll say this. coached college. He's coaching high school football down in Georgia. All right, they don't fuck around down there in Georgia with that high school football coaching. I'm just saying, you know, it's a pretty. Uh, is he the first head coach to ever not have any? He's the first one to never college have any college or, or like, NFL. Experience not positional. Ever. He's and never done thing, anything. They made a they made a point of it too. Of some, they brought up the fact that how awkward is it for him to like accept that job. Like, how do you even accept it without saying, like, no, I don't think I'm qualified or I can tell you there's got to be some other people on your staff, like the people you already pay and employ? There's nope. Matt Ryan. Nope. Matt Ryan Ursay, could do it. Ursay called him over. He, he flew him over on the jet. They got mad hammered. They did a whole bunch of lines. And then he looked at him. He was like, hey, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fire Frank. And I'm going to have you step in for right now. Doesn't matter what you do. We're probably going to get a, you know, a better pick. We're going to keep running Sam Ellinger, even though Matt Ryan was leading the league in passing yards. Don't worry. That was also my call. We're just going <laughs> to keep fucking this thing up. They're not going to catch us tanking, but we're going to tank. We're going to suck for luck again. We're, gonna yep, figure we're just going to do out. as hard as how, how bad can we be? I think the big thing it worked is like, last time. All right. So he's a he's an offensive line. He's a center. All right. So first off, I'm going to ask this question. Would you guys be upset at all if it was Peyton Manning? That's completely different. Peyton Manning didn't even have an offensive coordinator. He had an offensive consultant, and that person gave him two or three options. I would trust and Peyton called his own plays. Yeah, I agree. So, but no who was his center cat. for all of that? Who no, was the one person Jeff that had the, the closest was connection? Was always touted nah. as one of the smartest intellectuals smartest, in the game. Most well known. And if you guys have but, watched him on Get Up. This man, but all he does is break down the run game. That's all he does former, on the show. How many former offensive linemen come in and fix an offense? The guy they I don't have think... calling the plays, their staff, the people they have on their staff have never called plays in an NFL game defensively or offensively. Everything and if you're trying to win football games, that's really bad. But if you're not trying to win football games. No, they're tanking and they're doing a beautiful job of it. I appreciate yeah. it. You put on Dan Campbell to be the interim, but at least he was on the staff. You just hired a nigga <laughs> off the of ESPN that used to snap the ball to Peyton Manning. Like, no, that's not a good excuse. Like, no, no I don't care. How They've got Reggie Wayne up. is also in their <laughs> ring of honor. And up. he is on the staff right now coaching wide receivers. Good. Like, if you're good, like, just move him. Yeah. I think Jeff Saturday was a better call. I'm being honest. As a center, as an offensive line person in my football career, I have a lot of respect for a player like that because I understand they are the front line. 
They see everything first. They're making calls before the quarterback does. A lot of times they're calling protection. Now, I'm not saying that they are for Peyton Manning. We're talking about the sheriff. But I'm saying that if there was one person to learn from as a football-like player in his timeline, the only person I would have wanted to learn from was not Tom Brady the GOAT. would have been Peyton Manning, the most knowledgeable football person we don't have to beat this you know, one like a dead horse. No, they no, already no. made I the decision. One thing. I one thing. Okay. It's it's just funny to me to to hear you say like, oh, as a former center, you know, <laughs> it's it's good to hear. High school, like, high I, school center. All right, let's be real about that. You know, All right. As, as a former undersized, hey, you played person, center in Pee Wee too. Don't hold yourself short. You're a lifetime center, boy. Bro, I really, I really, I really appreciate seeing Tua and all these undersized, light-skinned people succeed. And like, you know, I think they should be given more of a chance and more of a platform. And, as a, you know, as a former <laughs> undersized wide receiver, I just see Tyreek Hill out there, and I'm like, you know, that could have been me, man. I'm, I'm just saying that's kind of the work that we put in out there. I mean, has the wide receiver won MVP before? Because I mean, he can make an argument if he's not offensive player of the year. We'll talk about that. We're gonna here in a few minutes. All right, but before we do that, I I have a couple questions for you guys. So we've got uh, we're halfway through the season, and there's been some surprises. There's been some disappointments. What do you guys feel is the most disappointing team so far? I'll go first. I think Green Bay has a nice little spot in everyone's heart and uh, that as bad as Tampa Bay's look, that Green Bay is way more disappointing just as a this past week versus the Lions was the nail in the coffin. The R-E-L-A-X relaxed shit is all gone. Green Bay, sell stock while you I, can. I'm agreeing last, and moving on. I said it last week. They were missing the playoffs, and this week just absolutely hammer home that for me. No Shredo- or Hulk Shredama stripes again. And yeah, I, like Sut said, I agree. I, I mean, Austin, do you have another team in mind? I got the uh, Arizona Cardinals. Goddamn Pretty shit show boys over there. Hey, yeah, I, yeah. Paying Cliff, especially paying getting Tyler. DeAndre back like they did this past week, and still looking like ass, hot garbage, losing in their home stadium to a. Bro, I just don't like team. Tyler's attitude, man. He gives me temper tantrum vibes like way Can't too much. Win since fucking. Well, he is a little kid. He's a little toddler out there throwing the ball. <laughs> All I right, love so that they put gave his him binky the baby in and maybe he'll be better in Gridiron Heights, but then oh, they gave perfect. him like the super deep voice now that he's like, but he's still the baby size. Absolutely love that. Uh, so on the flip side, then who were y'all most surprised by, like record wise? Whether I think just we're gonna all pick more. the same team, and we just Seattle. talked about the Seattle. I mean, can I mean, you guys bro, there's no other any- like. Atlanta. I mean, there's other Atlanta's, teams. There's other Atlanta teams. Yeah. Surprised. Jacksonville surprised. I think it's surprising how bad fucking uh, the Colts look. But I mean, that's I guess because of expectations of Matt Ryan, wherever he went, he was at least going to throw for four thousand. And I agree with the Seahawks, obviously, but not to just turn this into a Seahawks Dolphins show. The Jets, bro. Like at this point in the yeah, that's season. That's a good one. I had the Jets literally with one win before their bye week, which yeah. is this week coming up. And the fact that they're six and three right now, tied with the Dolphins in the division at second place, right behind the Bills. I mean, beat the Bills, just beat the and Bills, the Dolphins. And like we said earlier, it's a lot of it is despite Zach Wilson. Now he's turning it on in the back end of games, so his statistics, looking at them don't really give you the full picture. This last game versus the Bills, he had a stretch where he completed 11 out of 12 straight passes. And it's things like that where he's making the plays when they need to be made. 
But that team in general, it kind of reminds me a lot of like the Bengals last year. Like I said, you've got these young, hungry guys that are coming in here trying to make a name for themselves and all the recipes adding up underneath Sala this year. Now, I don't know how far they'll go right now. I, I believe they might end up making the playoffs, but it, for me, like if I'm not picking Seattle, I would absolutely pick the Jets as my most surprising team for sure. Bro, the Seahawks are nuts. It's that rookie None class, bro. And they, they got two on, rookie they corners. Hit on they hit they hit on Tariq. They hit on all this shit. But like, bro, you're seeing Pete Carroll executing the same game plan that he ran with the Legion of Boom and Russ with seventy one guys and not Marshawn. Like seventy one year old man still winning. Right. Has like hundred and thirty three wins like in his career. Like, I mean, it's just absolute maniac. And that's coming that's enough. coming off of a fucking historic college career. Yeah. It's not seriously. like Pete Carroll just like Bro, was it USC? Yeah, and he's also an SAE, so file for brother Pete Carroll. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, I think Austin, we're gonna did you give it... yours too? You said Seattle as well. Yeah, yeah I said Seattle. If another one would be the Jaguars. Yeah, I I ja- yeah. Austin, I wanted to ask you about this because I was re-listening to one of the old episodes. But when Dak first went down, you said, uh, and I quote, "Go ahead and fold it all up and call it a season." Let's start rebuilding. And then the Cooper yeah. Rush era took over and Dak took over. Would you yeah, say I didn't know our defense. Would, would you Later say in that the episode, surprising? you're going to see that. It, no, yeah, I was, I was definitely about to say them. I was definitely about to say them. That was super surprising. That turnaround, that, all that happening, that was insane. Cooper Rush holding it down. Cooper Cush. Honestly, but now that Dak's back. Week one. Honestly, though. Dak's back. Like. Man was undefeated until the Eagles. Like, that's insane. Who knows what he would have done? If he would have beat Who knows the if Eagles. Dak would have got started? Yeah, if he would have beat the Eagles, I don't think Dak would have got started again until Cooper lost. Yeah, I don't know how you could. No. Nah. Straight up. Just let but, that ride. Whenever playoffs came, like, do you think they, they really would have kept Cooper in? Like, he's never seen a playoff game. No, before. Cooper like, would have played until he lost. It would have been a two a hurt situation where what if, if they didn't have time of the a- the NFC championship and Cooper Rush is losing, they'll put Dak back in. But if he's winning Seriously. all the way up until then, like you can't take him out. Like if he won Patriots, every game, uh, like they lost. I'd be pissed as a, a fan. And then Cooper Rush won every game until like the end of the. Season. I mean, you can't take him out. The dude is like. Undefeated. Yeah, but then he loses that first playoff game. We all hate him. Like, yeah, why, for real. You know, <laughs> that's a way to get death threats. Exactly. Well, uh, we'll be right back. We're going to do a quick 30 second commercial break. Welcome back. We're going to go over our mid year predictions uh, instead of doing the Angels of the End Zone this week. But before we do that, I'm going to quickly run through the injuries. This past week, uh, the Packers got pretty banged up. Romeo Dubs has a high ankle Holy injury. Holy shit. He's going to be out four to six weeks. Aaron Jones has an ankle injury. He has had an MRI, and they're not showing anything uh, bad as far as like ligament damage or anything that he would miss time. What I've seen so far as an Aaron Jones owner is that he is probable to play week 10, but we don't know anything real yet. And Christian Watson also had a concussion. Evan Ingram injured his back. We still don't know anything else. 
Uh, and then Josh Allen's throwing elbow. So again, this is something that I'm a personal Josh Allen owner. So what it is, is it's the ligament on his elbow. It's on the inside of his elbow. It's strained. It's all that we know now. For the He's had year. MRIs. Uh, looks like everything's going to be fine. He's probably going to play through it, but it's not a good injury halfway through the season because he's likely not going to be able to throw uh, as much as he was before. Stefan Diggs' owners are really going to be the ones hurting more than anything because he'll still get value with his legs, especially now even more if he can't throw the fucking ball. Yeah, but are people going to key in on that more because they know he can't throw, so they'll key in on that run? Dude, you know, they're talking so maybe they're not about be able if to he do ends that. up having to have some kind of Tommy John surgery or something, it could be a season. That's why the, you've not heard much on it yet because I I think it could be a much bigger deal. Now, I don't know because, like, two plays later, he launched a 70-yard pass to Gabe Davis. Adrenaline. fucking fine. Yeah, Adrenaline. But, Adrenaline. Yeah, but you just stab that shit Austin. up. You go ahead and stab it right here. I'll be fine. That's what it's going to say. Nah. And that's what's going to happen, bro. Is- like, it's the thing real. is, you won't be fine. And when when say, it's in your elbow. When it's in your elbow, and what a lot of these commentators and stuff like to shit on Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson and Michael Vick and all these running quarterbacks for, you know, but they can't last. Actually, Colby Crane's another announcer that likes to shit on running quarterbacks for this, that they can't last forever and that they need to be able to pass because running isn't sustainable and you're going to get hurt. Well, this Josh is Allen the is the number one guy that does not slide, does not get out of bounds. He thinks since he's so big and so cute, he can just truck everyone and jump over everyone and rub his nuts across Christian Wilkins' face mask. Shit's going to eventually catch up to him, and it's going to catch up to him in the form of this little elbow thing. And then it's going to be something else, and it's going to be something else. And, like... Bro, he needs to like start trying to be a little bit smarter when he's running the ball and stop thinking he's Iron Man and he can just truck stick everybody and like trying to be cool so he can like get some more highlights up. Like he's not indestructible, dude. And if it ends up being like a Tommy John type of thing and he really takes some time off, maybe you'll see him transition to more of like a formal passing role to go with the legs, but he spends too much time leaning on the legs. That's why he's n- he's not on Pat's level with me. Pat has the same type of Leg work, he can run the ball and get as crazy as Josh Allen, but he just doesn't need to because he's a he uses it to get the ball down the field every time. He runs away from the the rush so that he his guy gets open so he can just launch it 55 yards. Like, that's all that's like very underrated, like what he does with his legs because he's really safe about it. Yeah, dirty, super safe. He's the dirtiest. His only injuries, his only injuries he's really taken is like big sacks he's been hit by. He and he never gets hit, bro. Ever. He does not get hit. Like well, that's don't say so ever. Good. I mean, we've I mean, seen. You're him right. You never ever. Like, but like, n- you know, no absolutes. But this dude does not get hit. It's awesome. I, I don't. I don't hate the Mahomes argument, and I really, I really think he's having one of his better years. He what is it? Twenty-one touchdowns, six interceptions. That's great. But guess who has less interceptions and who has no losses? on every game that they've started from start to finish. Tua Tungavailoa, quarterback Miami Dolphins. That's the MVP right now. He has three interceptions. He has 15 touchdowns. He has the highest completion percentage for anyone over... uh, I don't want to hit the metrics on that. He's at 69%. He has 1.5% on his interceptions. Bro, 
And he also has a 69.9% completion percentage, bro. Like, you can't even make up how fucking awesome that is. He's getting it from both sides, bro. He hasn't lost a game. My the thing o- with Tua... The only, the only games the Miami Dolphins have lost are the games that Tua has not played and has not finished. I think the only you way know, for him to get it is him being, like, top five to seven statistically at the end of the year while missing those three games. He's not I think those miss three games game. are going to be the one knock on him that might would be the argument if Mahomes keeps his season going and Josh Allen, the injury doesn't hold him back, he keeps – I think that would be the one knock is – they have three more games of statistics on top of him. For sure. But you know who the other undefeated quarterback is? The only Jalen Hurts, boy. Who was backup. Yeah. Well, you well, were just talking about Tua. Tua is undefeated. undefeated. And that every game that he's started and finished has been a win. Oh, he's played well, yeah, in I seven and has six wins. Before, before Jalen Hurts, before Jalen Hurts defeat Cooper Cush. You know what I'm saying? And Hurts is also Tua's backup, if you guys remember. I love. Yes, he I think was. I heard, like, the two I think people. I heard that what, who do you think would start now? Who do you think would be the starter now? Oh, what? It'd be two. With them legs under Hurts, I don't know. He, he can still zip that so ball. If he has the number one receiver in the league, the number five receiver in the league, and he's missed three games. If you ask any offensive coordinator, I'm gonna give you quarterback A that can throw for 300 yards, three touchdowns, and possibly one interception. Or quarterback B that can throw for 180 yards, a touchdown, run for 70 yards and a touchdown, and possibly an interception or two. Let's They're go. They're going to take quarterback A every single time. Not the quarterback B is exciting. a good element to it, but if your quarterback can sit there and pick a defense apart with his arm... That will always get the nod. Tennessee. And what happens Tennessee. when you run into a defense that rushes you too much and you can't get out of the pocket? You can't get free. You can, though. <laughs> you throw it over Kenny, their head, dude. That you throw it. Hit. You don't have to get out of the pocket. You throw it in 2.5 seconds every time. That's say, how you beat him. I don't think him. you realize how many times he throws it before a pocket is even made. Like, and he, that's no, that what is impressive. It is. He gets away and drops his He's also got safety. the fastest receivers in the fucking league. Now, yeah, but that has nothing to do with helps. it. It's, as long as you got receivers now, that can get separation helps. and run the right routes, and like, it bro, it's help, Mike McDaniel's. All right, so that, that brings me to my point. That brings me that didn't get recept- that didn't get any separation whatsoever, and he's still doing the same shit. So I don't want to hear it. That brings me to my point. I think that the MVP this year, because of the three games that Ty- that Tua missed, once Tyreek Hill breaks the record in week 17 after 16 games played for most receiving yards in a season, then does another 150 yards on top of that and has 2,100 yards for the season, that man's going to win the MVP because he's going to be the first person to ever do anything like that ever. Now, Justin's shaking his head, and I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to let all the people out there know. It's because in 2012, whenever Megatron broke the record... Adrian Peterson, after tearing his ACL, rushed for 2,096 yards, was like eight yards away from the record, while receiving for 221 yards, and like 15 total touchdowns. So they gave AP the MVP that year, say that 10 times fast, because of all those things. And Justin's thoughts are that it's going to be a quarterback, it's the quarterback award like he tried to alert to earlier, and uh, I just try to do the B-Rabbit thing and just use all of his arguments against him. Let's go now. I will say, I will say 
you you did a solid job. Good job. But it has no way has swayed me. I've I said Wait. in pre-show when you brought this up. I think if Tyreek does break the record and he does all of that, that also means that Tua has passed for almost 5,000 yards. And with his touchdown to interception ratio right now, if that keeps going, he's also looking at about 40 touchdown passes to maybe seven or eight interceptions. That will give Tua the MVP. It will not go to a non-quarterback. Tyreek Hill would have to catch for 2,300 yards and 12 to 17 touchdowns this year. The touchdowns the only is the one thing three, that's going right? to hurt him. The touchdowns is the one thing that's going to hurt him. If he can't get to double-digit touchdowns, he doesn't get it. But he only needs seven more through, like, fucking as many games. And the guy is a monster. He's been getting covered in the red zone well, but I think that him and two are going to do better. I think that, again, the only way it happens is if he breaks the record in 16 games and then puts up another 100, 150 after that. Who got it last year? I would love to see Quarterback. It's been Who a got it last year? It's been Aaron, a quarterback. Aaron has the last two years. years. He's not going to get it. Jesus. I think he might, he could get it this since, year. Since I, that's AP, my pick. It's been a quarterback. Aaron's going to get it this Aaron. year. Well, so, there you go. And He's looking like so I said, good. I, it's going to be a quarterback. But rolling into the next award, we got Offensive Player of the Year, and there's three of us in agreement on Tyreek Hill will absolutely win Offensive Player of the Year. I think yeah. he already has it wrapped up, barring any games that he might miss coming up in the future. Pray to God it doesn't happen. But Tyreek will absolutely win Offensive Player of the Year. Colby, you can have all those stats and stuff. Two is winning MVP. Tyreek's winning Offensive Player of the Year. That's cool. I, don't, I think that uh, you guys are not appreciating how much everyone hates Tua. Like, they hate him. They do they not want to give, give him, him credit. MVP. They would love to give him MVP to say also that they the, did it. Do you like, understand? What a beautiful story. And now they have another you quarterback. Un- that they can exactly. Do you understand how much the media loves to backpedal and to say, okay, we were wrong. This guy, he absolutely proved. And then we get to talk all off season about how Tua has exploded onto the scene. And they just stick right him. And now he's the, the new Justin Herbert. And I get exactly, you. I get you. Exactly, bro. Was exactly. it Cooper? Was it Cooper Cup last year? He was offensive. offensive player of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Offensive yeah I could definitely see Cooper. it being Tyreek then this year if he breaks the record. Yeah. I mean, the triple crown was not enough to win MVP, and I understand, if, but he did not break a fucking record. He didn't do anything that no one's ever done before. He only did shit that had been done in the past. Triple crown's been done. Mega tried right. it, and uh, he lost the MVP to Adrian Peterson. But Adrian Peterson I'm, had a better season, subjectively. I'm going to double down and. If uh, Jalen Hurts goes undefeated this season, uh, he's going to get MVP and Offensive Player of the Year. I mean, he is the player on their oh. offense. A.J. Brown's look good. Yeah. And, like, Miles Sanders, Dallas Goddard, like, they're good pieces. He does pieces, so much But for he is I, the player. Bro, it's those I, fucking thighs. It's the I, whole I, pile push, four-yard play on, like, they're rugby scrumming, dude. For four yards a clip, it's so easy for him. I mean, Travis. Kel- I mean, Jason Kelsey is literally telling us the world what they're gonna do, you yeah, know, on every do. fourth down, and then they just do it. Nobody can stop them. So until we see someone that stops them, like the Dallas Cowboys, then until then, then we'll know. You guys will get a second chance. Oh, we got a second chance coming with our true starting quarterback. All right. So who do you guys got for defensive player of the year? That boy Sauls. 
no, defensive, defensive player. player. You think he's going to win defensive player? Hell defensive yeah. Player, no, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I got two ahead of myself. I think uh, Micah Parsons. That boy a dog. He eating up everything over there on that side of the ball. I think Micah is the defensive version, like the next generation's version of J.J. Watt and Aaron Donald. Of He's a monster every season. He stuffs the stat sheet every year. Let's just give it to him because nobody else has really absolutely just stood out above the pack. So, And I, I'm in agreement with you, and I believe – uh, Sutt's also in agreement with you as well. We're all on Parsons for Defensive Player of the Year. Yep. Uh, Colby, what are you thinking? Now, I think I will Miles. Say before before Colby takes off and starts screaming, I am one of the few people that also would cast a vote for Colby's person. I love Micah. I think he's made a couple more plays that actually won them games. So he had the car crash. Uh, you guys may remember he missed a game, and he's still in, tied for second in sacks. He's the most efficient player on PFF so far this season. He's got a ridiculous size, speed, athleticism. Miles Garrett's the best defensive end in football, has been for the last four years. Uh, it's hard to say that. TJ Watt. If TJ Watt was playing right now, I'd say that he's probably building up and getting ready to be the MVP. And, Isn't he you an know, outside linebacker, though? Uh, Miles Garrett or TJ Watt? TJ Watt's listed. Yeah, he's outside linebacker. But he puts his hand in the dirt so often. Well, th- I, I, well, they run a 3-4. Well, Miles yeah. and Micah Parsons are on the meme machine. True. Let me just True. throw that out there. Yeah. <laughs> I think that the, the car crash will be a big reason of why he wins the award. I think that coming back from something like that, the storyline, uh, that that'll be what will make the difference. On top of that, uh, he is their fucking defense right now. Uh, so I think that he's going to continue to be a monster because he has to. Like, he... He's done it the last four or five years. I mean, this guy's a ridiculous athlete and such a nice person. Good at basketball, too. Yeah, he is. You know, being a nice person, that's really just the number one thing they're looking for for these awards. That's what so I'm saying. Just, you know, nice guys finish first in award season. <laughs> All right, so moving on to the rookies. Uh, offensive Rookie of the Year. I personally it was going to be Brees Hall. That easy. ACL tear that was going to be easy. Took him easy. Absolutely wrapped up. I think we all would have 100% been in unanimous agreement. But right now, because of him going out, I think Ken Walker III is going to take it. The way he's Kenneth been carrying that Seattle offense. And he's honestly putting up the production that Brees Hall was putting up. So because of that, Brees Hall drops out. And I think Ken Walker just takes his place there. That boy Kenneth Run is going to run away with that title there. And Kenneth Runner. See, I think that's that all because, he does because he hasn't been starting all season. He hasn't done it sustained. I think Damian Pierce has better stats already because he's been doing it longer. I think he's going to continue to do that. I also think if you look at the team that Damian Pierce is doing it completely alone. He's got Davis Mills and, and Brandon Cooks doesn't even want to fucking play there anymore. Whereas like Kenneth Walker is on the Seattle Seahawks who look like this absolute monster of a team before he was even starting for them. Like, they look great with Rashad Penny and, like, everything they were doing before Ken Walker came in. So, I think it's a part of the system uh, more than anything. Both of them boys run with some attitude and some aggression and some amplitude. I don't have Damian Pierce in any leagues, but I have my boy K-Dub in several. 
and I absolutely love him. I he's second in my vote. I got to give it to Chris Olave. If you want to talk about someone that's done it all season, he started since day one. And early on, they had Juice and Michael Thomas there, and he was still finding ways to work with Jameis Winston. And then all of a sudden, it became Andy Dalton, and he was still working. And then it was no Michael Thomas, and then it was no Juice, and then it was no Camara for a second. So at one point, he's getting all the defensive attention. As a rookie, Like that's a lot to ask. You saw Drake London absolutely hit a wall when they asked him to do all that. And they somehow managed to get Kyle Pitts going. So I think Alave is going to keep going. He's came out way better than Garrett Wilson. And I appreciate the Jets grabbing Garrett Wilson. It's cute what he does, but he runs like a reindeer and you see that he can't keep the ball secured. Chris Alave is a polished route runner, soft hands. He's very fast. He can run every round the route tree. He's, he's the best rookie in the league. No questions asked. Now, I love how he's close. also, he's also, he's also showing that it doesn't matter what quarterbacks back there. Yeah, he proved, bro. He's done it with Dalton and Jameis and Taysom Hill. I love how close this race is. Like of all the ones we're gonna talk about, like this one has a couple people, and they're all kind of like right there together. Let uh, looking at just the odds via Fanduel. Right now, Kenneth Walker is the favorite at minus one thirty-five. Damian Pierce is second at plus two twenty. And Chris Olave is third at plus seven fifty, so we're all over it as far as the favorites go. Yeah, you know, if you're that confident in Olave, uh, you know, a nice little couple dollars on Olave that pre- that gets you some change at the end of the year, boy. A hundred dollars would be seven hundred and fifty. Ten would be seventy five dollars. Now the next one, really not much discussion because it's just a unanimous, and I think it's pretty much unanimous on the league. And if you go by the odds. It's unanimous. There's no one even close. The the guy for Seattle is close. Tariq Woolen is in second odds wise. Now we all have Sauce as our favorite. And like I said, he's the league's favorite. He's been balling. But Tariq Woolen isn't far behind him at plus 210. Sauce is minus 120. The next guy is Aiden Hutchinson at plus 1400. So it's really just a battle between these two corners. If if he could get going. If he does yeah, he had last a nice week, one again yeah. and again and again, gets picks, gets fumbles, and like it's not just sacks, like he starts making plays and they win games, then he he could take it. But Sauce has got this thing in the bag, bro. The Jets look too good. He's just unstoppable. It, it's his numbers, that even, he's putting what, up even that what he does after the game. He looks like if you look at like his coverage numbers, he looks like a veteran. Like the guy's putting up uh his like coverage percentage. Or like his, I'm sorry, his reception percentage is that like top bro. top fifteen in the league. Like that's he amazing. Ain't worried. He's yeah. a baller, bro. He's ready. He's clean. He's confident. That one is kind of a no brainer. I think coach of the year. Some people might call it a no brainer. This team's a little bit split. I have it as uh, the highest coach in the league. Coach went with me on that one. He's the guy that's won every single game with his starting quarterback, regardless of what's going on against his defense, regardless of what's going on with his tougher schedule than Coach Sirianni. I think Sirianni drops one or two, and then maybe it makes the storyline a little bit easier, but I got Coach McDaniel as my coach of the year. Uh, coach, I concur. you agree with me? I concur. I thought Eagles. about McDaniel hard. I really did. But just looking at history of the league, Typically, the coach of the year will end up going to the guy with the team with the best record 
or who outshot their projection more. The Dolphins were already projected about 10 wins. They've been on the cusp of the playoffs the last couple years. With Sirianni coming in and them being undefeated to this point, I think he's what? absolutely the favorite. I mean, if we're just, again, got him pulled up in front of me, going by the odds, Sirianni's the favorite by a wide margin at minus 155. Then you've got Kevin O'Connell from Minnesota tied with Pete Carroll. Then Brian, then Brian Dable and Robert Sala right behind him. And then there's a drop-off to Mike McDaniel. And like I said, I believe that is because the Dolphins with Tyreek, with Waddle, coming in with playoff hopes anyways, I think it's more of, okay, you're giving us what we thought we had versus the Jets are playing out of their mind. The Giants are playing out of their mind. The Seahawks are playing out of their mind. The Vikings are playing out of their mind. And the Eagles have played out of their mind and beaten every team they've played to this point. So I think so, you're right. I think expectations is completely what makes the big difference there. It's just that the expectations for what we are supposed to do and what we're going to do by the end of the season, I think that that's the difference maker. The Dolphins are the team that gets better every week. We've got a tough road ahead of us. If we beat the Chiefs, and we beat the Chargers, and we beat the 49ers, and like we stop winning, we stop losing football games, and we just start beating everyone, there's not going to be an argument that Mike McDaniels didn't make all the difference, that he didn't turn Tua into an elite quarterback and build an elite system around him. It started in April with coaching. And when he, in the draft and with trades, that's where he turned his team around. That team was not what we expected in the off season. Like we did not think they were going to be an undefeated team in this season. Now I we knew the dolphins this. were going to be decent. Strength if we schedule get, if we get so to much. the season and Tua wins MVP, I do think McDaniels makes a strong case off of that alone. After all the turmoil that Tua had the first two seasons and for him to come in and immediately fix it. I think that gives him his strongest case possible. But again, like I said, it's one of those to where the end of the season, it typically goes to the best coach. So we'll just see how it goes. Now, we just handled all the, uh, you know, our awards there without even realizing it. I picked all of the favorites. All of the betting favorites are the guys that I picked. I did not look at that before I picked my guys. I swear on everything. But man, I'd be rolling oh. in some cash right now if I started laying down some bets, bro. For my but, way uh, too early, I think that like picking Tyreek and Miles Garrett, that the reason I picked those, like I, I knew that Mahomes would be like the favorite. He's most I likely. I reached the favorite for Offensive Player of the Year by a solid yeah, yeah. margin. Oh, well, they, that's because he's going to win it. But I'm saying that like picking Miles Garrett and then Tyreek for MVP, I think that the way too early like prediction that it could happen. I'm not saying that this is going to happen. I'm saying more so that I think that this is a potential thing that could happen. We could see a receiver win MVP, and this is the road to doing it. And that's yeah. what I mapped out. Yeah. So to get into like our uh, champions for this year, starting with the AFC champions. Now, mine, I put an asterisk next to it because I have the bills. Now the asterisk is in part of Josh Allen's elbow injury. And if he ends up missing some time or it, God forbid, it does put him out for the year. Like as a Dolphins fan, I would still feel crushed for bills fans with the expectations you have. And then you just lose your quarterback. I, I, I just would absolutely feel for him in every sense of the way. But 
So if Josh Allen is healthy, we're just going to roll with that. I've got the Bills. I've said it from the beginning. I think they're just the team of destiny this year. They've put all the right pieces in place. And it, barring everybody staying healthy, I think they just got a roadmap to the Super Bowl. So I think the my pick is the Bills coming out of the AFC. I as got, much as I hate to say it. I got the the Baltimore Ravens. That boy Lamar looking too hot right now. The most unpaid quarterback in the league. Balling over there. What y'all homers think, though, for y'all pick? I absolutely love the Lamar pick, and I respect the Bills pick. But my problem with the Bills pick is Josh Allen isn't going to be able to sustain like the way he keeps doing it, and they didn't add enough pieces before the trade deadline to keep it up. Naeem Hines was just a kind of replacement. I 1,000% wholeheartedly believe if the Dolphins finish December 3-1, and they're going to push for the AFC Championship. And I do believe that they added what they needed to add and just adding Bradley Chubb to do that. The pass rush has been the biggest weakness on the team, and they addressed that, and it's getting closer. I think it's a few personnel decisions away. But, yeah, I think the Bills aren't a problem. I think they really fucked up losing to the Jets last week, and that's going to cost them really hard later, especially if Josh Allen misses any time and if he misses any time in any division games. And I think... We showed that we can go toe-to-toe with them by uh, beating them earlier in the season. And the last time we ran across the Chiefs, the team that everybody's so afraid of, and, you know, you have to have somebody that can go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes. Tua did go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes last season. And I'm going to run through the players that he was giving the ball to. Andre Washington, who I don't even know when the fuck we picked him up, was the leading running back, 13 carries for 35 yards. Tua was the second leading rusher, followed by Patrick Laird and Lynn Bowden. The leading receivers were Lynn Bowden, Mac Hollins, Mike Kosicki, Jakeem Grant, Adam Shaheen. We lost 33-27. to Line that shit up Sunday, nigga. Come fucking see me. I promise you, we got what fucking Mahomes wants right now. Come I think that it. what we've seen the last two weeks specifically from the Dolphins offense is... Like we said earlier, how are you supposed to sack a quarterback that throws the ball in 2.522 seconds every fucking time? You can't. It is impossible to get pressure there that quickly. He's throwing into open zones with so much separation because we have two elite receivers. Even if we didn't have two, he was going to make... Bro, the thing that everyone doesn't realize is that if Tyreek Hill didn't play for the Dolphins, Jalen Waddle would legitimately have 1,000 yards right now. Like, right now, today, Jalen Waddle would have a 1,000 fucking yards. He has 812 with Tyreek Hill. Let me, uh, so. let me preface I don't think that. So, if I don't Tua think doesn't go open. out for three games, Jalen Waddle would still have a 1,000 yards with today. Tyreek. Today, right now, absolutely. I think that that is true. I think that last year Jalen needed to – he got fed, but he wasn't getting any yak. If you look at him this year, he's everything is yak. So that's the difference. Last year was nine yards of catch. This year's like 17 yards of fucking catch. He's got almost as many He's yards 17. as Cooper Cup with half the receptions. He's 17 and Tyreek's 14, and I don't think that he would be as successful without Tyreek. I think he would get fed in that similar Jarvis Landry bullshit where it's nine yards a clip, and it's just like bullshit receptions. But most of his shit is 20 yards up the field, just like strikes across the middle. Yeah, uh, they, ha- I mean, they help each other tremendously. And and maybe um, 
you know, uh, the, I can't even think of his name, number 11, uh, dude from Cedric the Cowboys. Wilson. Cedric Wilson. I knew it was Wilson. I wanted to say Carter Wilson. Yeah, maybe Cedric Wilson would have been enough uh, to, like, help draw a little bit away. Obviously, Devontae Parker ain't shit. He didn't fucking help Jalen Waddle at all. I think that the Finns, though, they're, it's not a layup. I think that they're a really hard team to beat offensively, and that if they're down by a touchdown or 10 points with two minutes left, there's a big chance that they fucking win that game. Like, they have that in them. The Bengals laid out the blueprint for them last year, and that's I think that's kind of the blueprint they're going with this year. So flip on over to the NFC side. I've got the Eagles. Like, even if they draw, I expect them to drop a couple games, but they have the easiest remaining schedule, the easiest path to the playoffs. Now, obviously, you want to be challenged a little bit, put your team in the grindstone, see how they come through it. But I haven't seen anything to deter me away from that. And honestly, a lot of it's too is there's just not any teams in the NFC that scare me. Like, for me, I just feel like the the Super Bowl winner is coming out of the AFC. I just don't see any teams in the NFC that are going to give them a challenge enough to prevent them from being able to go. I think the Vikings might stand the best chance. You always have those random teams, like with how Seattle's playing and things like that. But the, I, I see the Eagles on a, just a straight path to the Super Bowl right now. As do I. I think they're going to go straight through the NFC because the NFC is a joke. They'll definitely drop a couple. They'll probably lose to the Cowboys just because it's divisional and it's sketchy like that. They might even lose to like the commanders or something like strange. But at that point, it won't matter. They'll have the like number one seed like locked in. Like it'll all, it'll be cool. They can afford two losses. But I do think they storm right through to the playoffs. They always had the easiest schedule and they've had honestly a lot of talent. They added talent. They have a pass rush. They have an offensive line. They have running backs. They have everything you need, bro. Like, that's a Super Bowl team. They're built. They're ready to do it. Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Let's ride. You're biased. I think they do it. Again. Nah, I think, your pants. I, I nah, think they do it. Homers. What's yeah, up, I was going to say, you trying to call us a homer? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, I actually, we actually have a good defense. Like, we have veterans on our team, you know? We're not just putting our team together this year and seeing how they, you know, they do. Our quarterback's not popping off for the first time. He's done it. You have Mike McCarthy as your head. We got Micah Parsons is what you meant to say on our defensive squad. A a Stephon Diggs. A a Trayvon Diggs. Yeah, second year. (laughs) Veteran, bro. That veteran mentality. He came in with it rookie year, bro. Yeah, so I think um, coming out of the NFC, probably the best offense is the Vikings. I think that they're also not – sloppy on defense i think that this past week them being able to pull off the win is what's convincing me that they're going to be able to make it all the way to the nfc championship game and beat the eagles or whoever makes it there because i think that they're going to be able to win whenever it comes down to the bottom like last couple seconds we need to make a throw to a guy they've got fucking eight guys that could be the guy so I think that because of that, they're going to be really hard to cover, especially whenever it gets to playoff football. And this O'Connell guy that's this supposed genius unlocks his offense. Right now, we can all agree that 
they're not using their full offense because what offense would through the first nine weeks? You're not trying to give up every trick you have. You're trying to just win games. Just win games. That's all we give a fuck about. It's not getting 5,000 yards. It's about winning today. So I think the Vikings definitely uh, end up winning the NFC. I'm not mad at it. Like I think that, like I said, I think the Vikings give the Eagles the strongest opponent as far as getting there. It's Eagles just, are gonna have to put up thirty you, points against the Vikings right, again. But you got to think about it this way: when you get to the playoffs, every game is prime time. I and get that, you've and you're Kirk. betting on Kirk. That and is that oh shit! Yeah, get no, it. get me out! And get three, me out! Get the Vikings four out! Four straight bro. prime time games. I didn't <laughs> think about right. that. I didn't even think task, about bro. that. That's Colby's tall pick. task. Hey, all right. I still, I still believe in him. He, Colby's got the confidence, and like I said, we're rolling on over into the Super Bowl champs. I like this one because this is the one that we all have somebody different. I've got the Bills. Like I said, team of destiny, not to, touching too much on that. I just think they're the most complete team top to bottom. Weapons Bills on asterisk. offense, elite quarterback, elite quarterback. Yes, there's an asterisk there if the so- Josh Allen's hurt. If Josh Allen's hurt and the Bills don't make it, honestly, probably would lean the Eagles. Okay. But like I said, yeah. we're treating it as everybody's healthy, and I've I've got the Bills. Who knows? Eagles might not be healthy by that time. Who knows? I mean, I do it's believe the Eagles. I do believe the Eagles will be healthy at that time, and I think we'll have a Dolphins-Eagles Super Bowl. We'll be there <laughs> in Glendale, obviously, because two was playing in the Super Bowl. I'm going to be there. So, if they go to the Super Bowl, I'm going to be there. Uh, you, It's being recorded right now. I'm putting money away every fucking paycheck for that game. Like, I am I think that we're going to make it, and I'm legitimately saving up for where's it. Where's it being held you, at this year? Arizona. Glendale, Arizona. You heard me oh, you consciously just said that? say we yeah, will be in place. Glendale. Yes. Yeah, my bad. That was, just, that was all just, on point. Was, <laughs> oh, I just yeah. don't know that place oh, that yeah. well. Now, I will say, I think it comes down to the trenches, and it comes down to who's healthier. I don't know who's going to be healthier. I can't be that much of a homer to say that in the Dolphins-Eagles Super Bowl call, we're going to win it, too. I think it is going to come down to offensive line versus defensive line, and I think our offensive line is a little bit more of a liability than theirs is, and their defensive line is a little bit more of a strength than ours is. So I think with it coming down to that, I think Eagles win. They get the only one that they're going to get in their little dynasty with A.J. Brown and all this other shit. And then uh, the Tua campaign continues for the next four until re-election. See, but. I have a similar argument on my point as well. That The Vikings, I mean, I'm not so much of a homer that I'm just going to pick my team to win it all. Like, I think that the Vikings are a more complete team. I think that whenever it comes to winning the Super Bowl and playing that full 60 minutes there's a chance that we could put up that final play and like Tyreek Hill gets open on the big long one or Jalen Waddle breaks one for, you know, 45 yards and we kick a field goal and they're the dolphins are champions, but it's unlikely because they have the offense to do the same fucking thing. And I think that their offense is honestly better than ours. It's more complete. I think Hawkinson is an upgrade to Gesicki. I think Justin Jefferson is an upgrade to Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill's the fastest player. He's absolutely amazing. But I would prefer to have the younger, more route-savvy, better hands. It's hard to say better hands. Tyreek has had such good hands this season, man. Like, such good hands. And his ability to come back to the ball, I just think, like, 
their team improves on our team on offense and that that's why they take it. I'm going with the big D coming out that T, Dallas Cowboys. Anybody Call surprised? Y'all homers. Call y'all homers for having the hey. Dolphins in the AFC Championship. Hey, y'all and little got E's. The Cowboys. Like, Sut, well, didn't you say it earlier? Episode three that we recorded, Austin said, <laughs> hey. fold it on, fold on. And like I responded two. with, I like I two. responded with, we didn't know the Cowboys had a defense that was going to hold shit down no, like that. No, we didn't no, know no. Cooper Rush was no. going to hold shit down like you that. And you in the end of the day, about your, you didn't know enough about your own team to have faith. No, we knew that they, they were the decent. Going. We knew that they were decent, but oh, to actually get it done. You, you said fold on the season, tank the year. Let's it was go a joke. Y'all take year. everything so serious. You want to hold it over my head. Whatever. Hey, The receipts are in. The receipts the, are in. We're the crazy Dolphins fans that just take everything <laughs> serious and we're homers. And we're y'all are fucking. And then when we then when we call y'all out and y'all's fuck shit, it's all that nonsense. But before hey, y'all lucky you don't have to play us this year, nigga. Uh, yeah, that's we all I'm saying. Hey, we'll see you. y'all won't make it there. Y'all won't make it there. Y'all didn't even pick y'all to make it. I did pick. Yeah, we did. Yes, we did. we didn't pick to win it. We picked the NFC teams. But I we do got the go. Eagles and the Vikings. I got to go so you guys can handle the money matchup. I got to go. We respect it, Sut. Appreciate you, buddy. No problem. Who Love says? Catch you up. I'll be on the next one. Austin, what do you got for us leading up to these money matchups this week? What do we got for Thursday? Thursday night? You talking about Thursday? We got Atlanta going into North Carolina to visit on the Panthers. The Panthers got a plus three spread. Hey, uh, if we know anything about the Falcons, they know how to cover a spread. So I'll take, I, the, I I'll say take the Falcons there. The Panthers are debuting their new black helmets on Thursday <gasps> night. Are you? Wait, 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 wait. Black. Are you serious? So, are you serious? I'm just Yo, saying. Have you, watched a thir- have you watched a Thursday night football game yet this season? You look good. You feel good. You feel good. You play good. You play good. You pay good. You pay good. You eat good. I'm just saying. You eat bro. good. You live good. I'm Come on just now. Saying. Hey, but have you watched a single Thursday night game? They've all had their color rush fucking uniforms and tried out new helmets and whatnot. Not all of them. Shit. No, but Not all literally of the majority of them, though. The yeah, Bengals. Majority of them, though, have. Yeah. Look, I'm just saying, you know, it just makes it's feel. interesting. And it's definitely interesting. All of that, I would still take the Falcons minus three. I'm just saying the Panthers. Especially with how they just got ran on and how so, we know the Falcons have a run offense. Like, Run heavy offense. Come on now. Cordell Patterson's back. That is big for That's them. huge. That is That's huge for them. Not big. That's huge. That. No, I, I do think the Falcons taken on the road. And the over-under being 43.5, I would absolutely slam the under on that. Like, I think this game could easily end up being 17 to 10. I could see that. 17-14. See, I don't know if these defenses, like, these teams are the types of teams that like put up big points against other big teams. They could also be the type of team that put up 24-24. Like, They've already played I mean, each other this year. They went to overtime. Yeah, this is a divisional matchup too. Carolina took the dub last time, but I think they were playing better ball back then. I don't yeah. know what happened last week with uh, PJ, but man, yeah, he, he might have gotten hurt. No, they just pulled him at half because he wasn't yeah, they playing pulled him well. But for he's Baker. starting this game. 
They said he's starting Thursday. Yeah, but he was starting last game, and yikes. Like, how do we assess something like that? Like, he's he goes, like, two weeks in a row straight balling, you and then... Bet, you bet his under for passing yards because he might get pulled again. That's a good one. I like that. Lock that in. It's locked in, so... Same with Mac Jones. Hey, yeah. tell my bookie to put that in for me. You got it. It's in there right now. <laughs> so, let's get on to our money matchups of the week, the PFP picks. Do you have First a up, we recap? Got, of, Man, uh, you if you don't shut so your far? bitch ass up. Yeah, I got that shit. Y'all want to hear our records? Y'all suck. So we got me with the 7-2-1. and one. The 1 is a push this week. You, Justin, with a 4-5-1. and one, And Coach with a 4-5-1. and one. You guys have the exact same. And what we all we do, had... What was last week's record? Let me let me just speak and I'll get to that. Last week, we all went 2-2 two, two, and 1 with the push of the Falcons against the Chargers. The fucking covering Falcons, dude. So did we all hit on the same games? We did not. So we each had one game that we won and then that pushed together. So we had... I had Tennessee that I took. Justin had Cincinnati. And Colby had Baltimore. If we could all just stuck together on those three, would have had a much better day. Oh, that hurts. If we could only yeah. just listen to each other. So I'm maybe. This week. So with noting that, maybe going into week. these next five, yeah, we should maybe ride with guys. each other a little bit. Yeah, no, listen, listen to, to me. No a money match, a, a primetime game that big of a spread. Come on, man. You know well, the what? Do we got, what do we got? Tennessee's going to cover. We got some good games. We got some good games. To start it off, Best Jacksonville Jaguars going into Kansas City to face the Chiefs with a spread of 9.5 in favor of the Chiefs. It's a 1 o'clock game. We haven't seen the Chiefs play 1 o'clock in, I feel like, forever. I like that. You know what I was expecting to see last week, which kind of we did see, was the Patty Mahomes mid-year slump that we've been getting every single season. I mean, he threw for over 400 yards. Did he fucking really? They didn't get well, it was also overtime. Right. Yeah, like, overtime helps that. Drives. He put that team on his back, but that's my thing is the way Jacksonville's been playing, I think Kansas City wins. But if you're giving me 9.5 for them to cover, like, yes, it's a 1 o'clock game, and those 1 o'clock games are just played completely differently, and Kansas City's at home. But I think Jacksonville's been playing well enough to be able to keep it within 10 points there. So, yeah, give me Jacksonville. I, like I think I'm going to have to shovel some shit because uh, Travis Kelsey is an absolute unit of a human being. And this man is super athletic still. Doesn't matter how old he is. Like, he looks like he's 24 legitimately. I don't know how you stop him. And uh, Jacksonville, I don't think they have the team that can stop a team like Kansas City from going up to two or three touchdowns. And Kansas City doesn't take their foot off the gas because Andy Reid's smarter than that. So I think that they put up 40 on Jacksonville. Jacksonville can't put up more than 20. I think that they covered minus 9.5. You want to talk about a unit, that boy Travis Etienne. And my point last week about trying to stop Derrick Henry with Kansas City trying to stop him, it was not not easy, not possible. 
and that's why they were able to cover that spread easily. And so I think the same thing gets done this week because Kansas yeah, City doesn't have stopped, that good of a run-stopping defense. But they stopped Travis last week because it's Mike Vrabel's defense, and like that's what they do is they stop teams like the Chiefs. But that's not Jacksonville. That's not Doug Peterson. I don't think that they're going to be able to stop them from putting up 45, and that's the issue is that that's, they're never going to put up 30 on Kansas City. Not with yeah, running it with Travis. Jacksonville might be able to stay with them. That's the thing. They have they, a, they an fall elite back, offense they fall behind, going in like right they now. They normally do, and that whenever they try to come back, they put up like 20-24, but they're not able to put up enough. All right, we'll move on to the next one. We got Motor City, Detroit, Lions taking on Chicago Bears. Bear down. The, the spread at minus City. three. The Windy City. Windy City titty, baby. Hey, shout out. Minus three. That's a nice uh, nice little field goal game. I can't believe this spread's this close, but since Detroit's been looking pretty decent, I could see it. I'm, I'm definitely going to ride with uh, Justin Fields, though, and Chicago Bears. Yep. That boy's Give been looking Chicago. too nice. But we're in agreement. I, don't I think that that's the big that's issue. That's what I mean. Like, it's a with easy how much they put up against the Dolphins. Decision, like, but Detroit is not – yeah, they're not going to be able to do the same. Like the, Those teams, these two teams said just play the Dolphins and like use that as like a measuring stick. And I they think that both the, the Bears kind of, so it was the, much better. It was the same type the of Bears, game, though. The Lions the went up so a lot more better. early, and the Bears were trying to come from behind the whole time against you guys. Like, I don't know. It's That's a scary matchup to me. Next one we got is going to be Cleveland Browns taking on y'all's Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins number one. What do y'all think about that with the spread at minus 3.5? Dolphins are home. We should be going to that shit. I don't know about y'all, but I think the best running back in the league is playing in that game. And uh, Jeff Wilson looked I'd be pretty scared. good last week, but I wouldn't no. say best in the league. <laughs> I think Nick Chubb, boy. <laughs> you want to talk about quads. You want to talk about running the rock. That boy's stomping the yard. So we got Austin's game, pick. One o'clock game in Miami. Miami has already said they're wearing their all whites, which puts the Browns in their brown or orange jerseys if they go their alternates. If they're in brown, that's an advantage because the ball's brown. Yeah, okay, that too. Or they're just gonna be roasting over there on the sidelines. Give me oh, Miami. Good point. Minus three point five. I think the Dolphins win this by a touchdown. Maybe Is that... they should win it by a touchdown. I don't think. Cleveland is going to be able to lean on the run game as much as they would like to, as much as they were able to versus um, Cincinnati the last time we saw them play on Thursday night. I just there are the Dolphins allow a lot of passing yards between the twenties, and my thing is is if you can keep them out of the red zone and keep Chubb from being a threat of scoring on short yardage, that's where the game's going to be won. And I just don't think Cleveland has the weapons to be able to keep up with Miami. Miami minus 3.5. Pow, pow. My only, my only argument is that Miami has just been shit on covering the spread all year long. I think they've covered maybe one. I know, I know they covered one, maybe two all year long, though. It, it's really tough. Like, they just keep the teams in five, the game. The point five does hurt. And I it hurts. Vegas did that on purpose. This is football. If you had minus 2.5 or minus 3, I'd easily ride with that. Now, I will say just looking at betting uh, stuff right now, 70 to 80% of all cash is put on Cleveland spread to cover the spread. 
Are However, that's because of what I just said. That how, Miami's not covering seventy percent to cover the spread. Eighty-one percent of the cash is on Cleveland money line. So for that's Cleveland, insane to me. Up, that's because of the value there. Now, however, most of the tickets have Miami spread and Miami money line on them. So most of the tickets and the public believe Miami. The cash is on Cleveland. Now, normally that's where you want to follow the betting odds with these sharps is with the cash. Where is the cash at? And the cash right now is on Cleveland. I feel safer taking, taking the Dolphins. If Miles Garrett is able to take those big, long, club-like arms and touch Tua with them, then we're going to have a really, 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 really hard time. But if, like we've said three times this podcast, Tua can get the ball out in 2.52 seconds every single time and can be the most accurate quarterback in football and can make the best decisions in football like he's done so far this season, then they're going to put up 35 points. The Browns are not because the Browns aren't going to be able to put up 35 points and run the ball the whole fucking time. We're that's because he has two. That's because he has two receivers that can run a forty in two point three seconds. But see, I don't understand what don't that has think, to do with anything. I don't think you're going to see many deep shots because of Miles Garrett, and the downside also that you got to pay attention we don't to with throw Miles deep Garrett. shots. You don't have to. You throw fifteen yard passes. They are literally eight yards down the field before he's okay, even like listen, made one step back. Like I said, I've picked the Dolphins. However, where Miles Garrett plays on the line. Any play action rollout pass that Tua does to his strong hand, that's where Miles is coming off at. Yep. So I don't know if you're going to see as many play action rollouts to that side. So you guys saw it last throwing week. across his body a little more. I think you saw a lot of him rolling out to the right last week and then doing this like turn in the pocket. And that one um, underthrow to Waddle on the sideline at the end was one of those. He rolled out to the right and then he had to like flip his whole body and while the defender was coming and then just launched the ball and it was horrible throwing motion. So you're right. If they can get us to do that type of shit, if they can make us make mistakes and we don't just get to comfortably do what we want. But if Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert can continue to get four to five yards of carry and our offense can continue to put up 30 to 40 points a game. I don't see how the fucking Browns are even going to come close to that. Okay. Nope. All right. We'll move on to the next one. The Minnesota Vikings are going against the Buffalo Bills. What do y'all boys? What do y'all boys think? This might be the biggest matchup of the week. Two top tier teams. If if we, I guess it's still an asterisk, you know, if Josh plays or not. I am gonna go with the plus five with the Minnesota Vikings, though. I see them getting it done. Plus five point five. I think they five point five. Thank you very much. And sprinkle money line in there for me. I'm with you. I also think, like, especially with Josh Allen, we don't know how that elbow is going to look. I don't know how effective he's going to be able to be in the passing game. I Minnesota plus 5.5 as well for me, and that's where 85% of the money is on betting as well as 66% of the tickets. 95% of the money is on Minnesota winning straight up because at plus 191 odds, you're getting good odds on a team with a hot streak going against a team that just lost to a team they should not have 
with a quarterback dealing with an elbow injury on his throwing arm. So sometimes I think the you, I think the Buffalo go, Bills up, got Austin. exposed. Shut up, Shut up. So sometimes you go to a restaurant and you hear somebody order your exact order, and then you just say like, "Oh, I'm gonna have that." That's what Justin just did for me. So there we go. I You're think welcome. the Buffalo Bills got exposed. You know that defense got exposed. Not Even only if did Josh like, Allen was fully healthy, I would still take Minnesota plus five point five. It's the safer bet with that offense and that defense. Yeah, it's it's going to be a tough matchup. Straight exactly, up. it's going to be. I can't believe that's not the uh, five. Is a great team for a team. I mean, how the fuck do you get that? Even if Josh Allen's healthy, like I, that's just crazy. Why is that a one o'clock game? Is my question. That's frustrating. They did flex the Monday night game this week uh, from another um, right. Uh, they changed I thought it? it was this week. Yeah, there was. It was supposed to be like Pittsburgh versus uh, who a division team. Cincinnati versus Pittsburgh. It's not yeah. this week. It's next week. Next week. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, they're already starting to do that. That's the first time they've done it this season that I've heard about, though. Yeah. Where they're flexing is. a game in on a Monday. It's because they're realizing so, these primetime games are shit. And they suck Whoa. ass, and we don't. We're not gonna. We are gonna keep watching them. Let's be real. Yeah, well, we still watch. Well, them. well. Speaking of primetime game, we have the eight thirty Sunday night football game. Los Angeles Chargers taking on the San Francisco 49ers with a whopping spread of minus seven. Now, the Chargers are really banged up, and the San Francisco 49ers are looking fantastic, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. They're they they are a lot healthier. It's really hard to just San Fran's healthy right now. Like, the, but I mean, it's just hard for me. Lance, it's hard which... for me to go against Justin Herbert, like being an underdog, like knowing that he's going to be down just passing that rock. He's a much better quarterback than Jimmy G. Like, so much better of a quarterback. I think minus seven is a lot for a team that generally runs the ball to go up on teams and plays good defense. And that Chargers have like a really good defense as well. Because of that, I'm actually going to take the Chargers. Like I think that they cover the minus seven. I just think that San Fran absolutely wins this fucking game. They're the way better team. Like they just like the Chargers defense is still Khalil Mack doing what he did last week shows that he's actually still out there playing football. I love seeing that shit. So I think that like they at least keep it within seven. I'm taking San Francisco minus the seven. I think that. With Debo coming back this week, gives them wait. Just Debo's that, back. Debo's back. Okay, I'm gonna change just giving my them guess. that extra element to their San offense. Fran. Yeah, I thought and he was because Brandon Ayuk isn't shit. Like, with he's not San doing Francisco's anything. defense and the pressure they're able to get in the backfield, I just think Herbert's gonna make too many mistakes. I can see easily two interceptions being thrown by him in this game, and I think San Francisco wins by ten. Like I, I. Yeah, I, not much more I can really add to it. Do we like, know if Keenan Allen's back? Most of the cash is on San Francisco. Most of the money line tickets are on San Francisco. Uh, you've got some, half of the tickets are on LA plus seven with the spread there because, you know, like everything you just laid out there, Colby, and like Austin mentioned earlier, these primetime games with these heavy spreads, generally these spreads are being covered by the underdogs. So, there's that element as well, but like I said, San Francisco's healthy, LA's not. Debo and Christian McCaffrey at the same time being on the field at the same time. I mean, that's 
that's better than Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle if we're being real. Like that's two playmakers at two yeah. different le- like levels of well, the not field. A, you can put Christian at slot and you can move Debo in the back. You can motion Debo out wide and then that's move what Christian I'm saying. You have back. two so many of the most versatile plate pieces. The Chargers have that. The Chargers dude. have that. Austin Eckler and Joshua and Palmer, dude. Joshua Palmer's good. You guys are sleeping, a, dude. Bro, three, bro, watch him flex. He We're looks just like fucking the Debo. Fifth best receiver. Fifth, fifth best receiver. He's in only the last third year. receiver. I'm sorry, Debo was the he's third got best higher receiver paid in football receivers. last year. He's got higher paid receivers above him. He's still on his come up, bro. Third best in football last year. Like, let's look it's at hard actual to, sample. It's size. hard. It's hard so to cover a guy hearing, when you don't have much tape on him. Am I he hearing was, you take the Chargers minus seven? Yeah, is I'm taking the Chargers plus seven. Now, your argument plus with seven, that, though, is he has two receivers that are paid over him. If it was the case that Joshua Palmer was really that dude, they, they would have traded let Mike, Mike Williams, Williams walk this offseason instead yep. of re-signing him. You don't just give away talent, bro. You collect, you keep Whenever it you while you can, dude. Behind him when you have that dude, that younger, yes, you do. You That's do. exactly what you do. You don't pay someone to stay to potentially get hurt again whenever they're not the guy if you've got the guy behind them. You only Listen, do that this if the coach, guy behind them is not developed enough. And again, this coach goes I, forward on fourth down every single time, so come on now. That's another reason I'm taking San Fran is because I'm taking Shanahan over Staley. I'm taking the underdog in a prime time is what I'm doing. I mean, that's not a bad idea. I mean, it's With like, a bigger said, spread, with a spread bigger than 3.5. Are you going San Fran or San or L.A., Colby? Because you I'm going to go San Fran. I San Fran? legitimately did not realize that Debo was coming back. With Debo back, their offense is now complete. Everybody's healthy. The only person that's oh. not is fucking uh, Trey Lance. And let's be real. I think that Jimmy G still helps the team more today than Trey Lance does. I think that Trey Lance is still going to make more mistakes. And, like, Debo is going to have less value because of those mistakes. Now, Debo is still listed as questionable, but he did practice on uh, Monday yesterday. Limited practice, and that's that's and, perfect. And where he sat out last week, apparently he, they sat him out more as a precautionary to give him an extra week to heal. So he looks good to go for Sunday night. All right, well, hey, if anything, I think that's a perfect place to wrap it up right there. Hit y'all with the money matchups there. A little previews on what to bet for your end of the season awards and shit like that. As always, we appreciate your guys' time and support coming in, hanging out in the basement with us, you know, cracking some beers, chilling. Follow us on Twitter at ProFootball underscore pod. Follow all of us on Twitter as well. You'll find that underneath that Twitter header. Not going to read it out to all of you like we normally do. That's just a lot of fucking shit. Y'all take it easy. We appreciate y'all all the time. For Sut, Coach, Austin, myself, Justin.